All right, good morning, church. Good to see you guys. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, where we're going to be today. And um, I would like to say amen. Block party coming up today. And I know, I also want to mention, I know Casey didn't mention this, but I know that some of y'all are football fans. You know, I know. I know. And I know some of your team, one of your teams particularly, is going to be playing at the exact same time. And I want to give you a couple of options. Hopefully you're enough to where you can begin to watch football on your phone and you can watch it at block party. Some of y'all are like, don't be messing with me. Maybe, maybe you could DVR it uh, and you can watch it tonight like I'm going to do, right? Watch the football game there, but we will have it available. I will make sure we play it, right? But I want you, we want you there. Hopefully you can be there tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, Tori and the band are going to be there today, tonight. And if you don't come for any, I mean, that is going to be an awesome, awesome experience. And I can't wait for, for you guys uh, to see that. That's going to be a really great time tonight. So bring a friend. Hope to see you there. Uh, we are in week two of our series, Flip the Script. Who are you? You might, you might answer that question by saying, you know, I'm my name. You know, uh, born to someone, uh, born in a year, uh, maybe you, you, you just give your social security number, right? I mean, uh, who are you? And how you answer that question uh, is a really important uh, thing about you. And what you know to be true about you um, and, and what you believe about you really affects everything about you. Everything in your whole life, everything will hinge upon the undercurrent of the way that you view you. And uh, in chapter one, we saw last, last week, that God says in Ephesians chapter 1 that your identity is rooted in an eternal dynamic, like a chain link, an eternal chain link that's going on here. That in the past that God has chosen you before the foundation of the world, that the future God has you and, and, and all, all from God, and, and he had you on his heart before you were ever even born, before the world was even made. He's powerful, he's in control, he is your God, he has you, he always has, and he always will. That's Ephesians 1. Chapter 2 answers the question, how do I know that's true for me? I mean, I know, Pastor Key, you told me to put my name in there and all the little pl the places, and hopefully some of y'all started doing that this week, and you started listening to the Spirit of God, according to the Word of God, tell you who you are as you put your name in there in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, but your name's not in there, right? Uh, Paul didn't say your name. He was talking about us in general. Um, so how do I know it's real about me, like me, right now? How, how do I know it's true of me? In 2021, Austin, Texas, my name, me. Is there anything I can cling to in my life that, that says, other than just what God says here, generally, that's true of me? Well, that's Ephesians chapter 2. And you're going to get that piece of evidence today of what to look at tangibly in your life that says Ephesians 1 and 2 are all about you personally. And so I want us to meditate. I want us to go from Ephesians 2. We're going to read the whole chapter. Let's take a minute to just go down, deep dive, stay down. Don't come up for air. Let God's word guide you. Let God's word absorb into your heart as you think deeply about um, what he's saying here in chapter 2. So let's read it together, okay? Starting in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he, had lo- he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, there's so much contained in here. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would just give a good sense by your Spirit um, of the things that are being communicated here, the realities that are there. And Lord, that by your Spirit, you'd give us the sense of the reality in our own hearts. And so take this time and speak to us personally. And Lord, um, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are pleasing in your sight. So do a great work right now. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Chapter, chapter 2 can really be summed up in, in three categories. I want to sum it up because it's a lot, and I have to figure out a way to sort of categorize these things for, for you to be able to just sort of take it in quick and take it full, right? Uh, and here's three things, three phases. Who we were, who we are, <laughs> What happened? I mean, this is basically what you see happening in in chapter 2. This is kind of a good structure for us to use. Uh, So I want to start off with, first of all, who we were. There is a, every believer, every Christian, 
Every follower of Christ has these three dynamics in your life. Who you were, who you are, but then it's something that had happened in your life to cause the were and the are to be separate. Uh, And so you see who we were really from verse 1 to 3 and then verse 11 11 and 12. And the word, some of the words I wanted to, to highlight here. First of all, dead. Who we were was we were dead. Dead in our trespasses, says Paul. Um, now, trespasses means in the Bible the same thing it means to you and I. We have a, a boundary marker and we trespass, right? Uh, you're not trespassing someone's territory. Well, we trespass that boundary marker. In other words, God gave a line. God gave a rule. God gave a law. God gave a command. God says, don't cross this line. And what do we do? We go over it. And we trespass. And we break God's law. We break God's command. We break God's rule. And we, we, we go over. And so that's what it means to be. And to be dead in our trespasses means that because we cross those lines, we did what God commands us not to. We go over those lines. The second you go over a line and a trespass against the almighty God, who's the creator of the world, has given a command and a rule, and we have rebelled against him, no matter what that is, it's still a line, and we, we transgress. We, 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 um, we, we cross that line and we break it. Once that's broken, you are powerless to erase it. That's what that means. You are powerless to remove yourself from all of the consequences and all of the realities of having broken that trespass. So we are in a state of dead in our trespasses and our sins. Then he says following. It's not just that we are in a position where we have trespassed. We're in a condition internally in our hearts of this idea where he says we followed the ways. The word followed is not really strong enough in the Greek. Um, it's, it's really more enslaved. It's the word followed like a disciple. And even the, the, we're gripped with the power and the inability not to follow. This is the idea. Slaved. Enslaved to a couple of things. Enslaved to selfishness. Enslaved to doing trespasses. Sinning sinful desires, and then an anti-God, anti-God attitude. He calls it the spirit of the age. He calls it the, the spirit of the air, if you will. Um, what it is is the attitude of humanity with God in our natural sense. In other words, we're, we're just, we are sense, we, we in, instinctively are anti-God in our hearts. And so we are enslaved. We follow these things instinctively we're in a condition where we do trespasses and that's what we do we're sinners and we sin not just because we're neutral and 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 we can choose and we just mess up every once in a while no we sin because that's internally the condition we're in in our hearts that we're born into this is what he is saying about humanity but then it's not just that um we have trespassed, we can't erase that trespass, and that inside we can't stop trespassing. We are separated, he says. Separated. Um, And this is legally separated positionally with God to the degree that we are unable to reconcile that relationship on our own. 
The Bible uses language for this condition, lost. We are lost from our maker. Positionally separated from our creator, we weren't created to be separated from him this way, but now we are. But not just separated, and it's another synonym, alienated. And in other places in the Bible, it says alienated from the life of God. The life of God. We are not just cut off positionally. We're alienated from relational benefits that we might have with fellowship with God. The, all, of, all of the life and light and love that come from our creator to our hearts, we've been cut off from. So we don't have that source and that power to do any different. We're cut off from our lifeline, so to speak, our life source. And then he says, without hope and without God. And you guys know from our Ecclesiastes series, without God in the world is to be without hope. You don't have it. It's just you're miserable. Now, this is the, the condition that every human being is born into in their natural state, according to the scriptures. Adam was our representative head. I think most Americans don't really grab this, but it's a reality in the text of Scripture. When Adam sinned, we sinned with him actively. He represented us, all of humanity, everyone that would come from Adam physically. He represented us and the relationship with God. He fell, and when he fell, we fell with him. We sinned with him. All of our actions are with him in that one Thing. And he's our representative head. So now all of the consequences that come from the action we took with him, it's important that you get this, with him, every consequence that comes from his fall is also ours. Okay? Everything that happens. We were with him in it. We did it with him. And all the consequences are also ours with him. That's called the fall of humanity. We all fell and we all sinned with him. Okay? Now, the Christian doctrine, this, this, uh, and, and all of us legally positioned with God are in this severed state. We're in a severed state. The Christian doctrine of this condition is called original sin, depravity, um, and other ways that you could see it that way. And original sin is the Christian doctrine that we are born into this particular condition and we have sin already in us from birth. How many of you are, you've had to teach your kids to lie, right? No? Uh, well, that's rooted, that, that truth is something you can point to to go, we are intrinsically um, liars, especially if it gets, gets us what we want or it keeps us from things we don't want. We'll just make it, right? Uh, you know, how many of you have to teach your kids um, to be selfish, right? Um, no. Uh, we are pretty much selfish right out of the gate, you know. My father-in-law used to say, you listen to a baby cry, you can almost hear him going, I, 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 you know. No, maybe that wasn't funny. Okay. All right. So thanks, Doc. Appreciate that one. In that severed state, the Bible says we can be unaware. We're unaware of it. It's a blindness. I was blind, but now I see, right? But in that severed state, we're unaware of being severed. We don't know that we're severed. 
We're just experiencing the reality of being severed. It's, it's kind of like an addict that doesn't think they're an addict. Everybody maybe even keeps telling them and they're just like, I'm not. You know, it's this idea. It's that kind of thing. Um, but not only that, in that condition, we really like it. We like it and we don't particularly want to be free from it. We choose it. Um, like an addict who really doesn't want to be free from the, from the addiction. These this similarities. These are the similarities here. Okay? Now you bundle all of these things I'm telling you up. All those truths. Take them all and bundle them up. Because you have legal aspects, you have conditional, positional aspects, you have relational aspects, you have a whole lot of things bundled up into one, one thing, and you have a human being in their natural state. That's where they are. And Ephesians 2 says that's what you were. Now, the reason you need to know that is because if you don't think that deeply and darkly about who you were, you're not going to think a whole lot about the cross. You're going to go, what's the whoop de do? <laughs> and you're probably not going to think about God's love being lavish because you just don't really have a firm grasp of who you were. So you don't really, you're not probably going to ever grasp what God really did for you. Titus 3.3 says, at one time we too were, and he goes on to say, Foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, hate, being hated and hating one another. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now he goes on to say all of these things are indicative of the lost state of man. Us in our natural state, these are the things that lost men do. They just follow these instincts and this is what comes out when they're followed to their logical conclusions and they're followed fully. These are the terrible things that come out of the heart of a man or a person. But then he says in verse 11, and that is what some of you were, were, past tense. This is the state that we're coming out of. So if you are a human being, that is part of your story. That is part of your story. One of the first things the Holy Spirit will do, Jesus said, when the counselor comes, when the work of God comes in the, by the Spirit, he will convict of guilt. He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin to righteousness and to judgment. One of the very first things the Spirit will do, according to Jesus, as he comes in his converting power, is he will show you your state. It'll be a sense. It may not be the exact words. It'll be a sense. But you will have light come into your heart at some level, a sense of all the grotesque things that are in your heart. You'll feel it. It might be just one sin that you've committed. It might be something recent on your path. Uh, it might be a, a thought that you keep having, uh, something that you keep yielding yourself to. The Spirit will come in in a lost state, and he will begin to show you that you're there. And you're no longer blind in that sense. You say, I was blind, but now I see. But the Spirit of God is showing you, and you're going, oh, my goodness. I see the purity and the beauty and the love of Jesus and his Spirit, and therefore I can see myself. And when you begin to see yourself, 
you realize what a deep and dark pit my heart is. And you didn't know that before, but now all of a sudden you begin to feel it. And you begin to sense it. Not just know it, but sense it and feel it and feel the power of something new breaking in. That's who we were. Then who we are. Verse 10, 18 to 22, uses words, saved. No, no. The word in the Bible, saved, in the Greek, what it really means is saved. Not helped. Not, uh, not like helped out and encouraged or built up or help you improve yourself or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, it really is a rescue. You can't do it. You, 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 you're, you're, you were lost. You were cut off. You were condemned. You were all these words, and, and, and you were saved. Saved. But God in his mercy saved us. Saved us. But then raised up is a word that he uses here. Raised up. And that's a, that's a position of authority in the Roman Empire. You have a conqueror that would go out and conquer a new territory. He would come back. They would have a parade. And you know what they would do? Raise him to a seat of authority in that particular moment. And, and there you have with Jesus raised up. Now, listen about raised up. This is very important. Representative heads are important in the Bible. Adam is our representative head in our natural state. All the consequences of his fall come to us, but then the Bible talks about the last Adam. You guys need to be familiar with the last Adam is Christ. Every synonym in Ephesians chapter 2 when it talks about Christ and you is always a sun. And that's a, that's a, in, the, in, the, in the Greek, it's a with. So what that means is when Christ went to the cross as your representative head, and as he's dying, you're dying. He dies. You die. But he raises from the grave. You raise. Not only that, he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Guess what you did? You went with him. You went to the place of authority of the kingdom. You have authority on the earth that Christ himself has. And it's not, it's not like you went, all right, I'm going to get myself up there, right? No, no. Christ died. You died. He, here he is conquering, 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 reigning, and he has you with him. And what happened in your, what, who you are now, the minute this became who you are, was tied somehow back to that event, that event in time and space, and it's all connected, and with him, there you go, there you go, and you feel all of that victory just rise up in your heart, receive it. Receive it. All the consequences of what Adam did came to you. All the benefits, all of that Christ has is yours, and he did it for you, did it with you. Just picture yourself, man, next holy Next time we have Easter, next time you see him taking that cross on there, just picture yourself on his back. He's carrying you, and he's taking you, and he's taking you all the way to the right hand of the Father. And he's positioning you there. And you get it, not because you did something good. God wants you on his team because you're a pretty good player. No. Total his mercy to you. He just chose to do that for you. You trusted him, he did it, and he did it all for you. Just his mercy. Just his mercy. Uh, let, me keep, let me go on. I went off a little bit there, sorry. So we're going to go a little long. 
Citizens. He made you a citizen of his kingdom. You're no longer a citizen of a king who's an enslaver and a killer and a thief. You have a, you have a king who loves you and leads you to light and love. And all the rights and privileges of citizenship are yours in Christ. You, have a, you don't have that old place in, your, in the old kingdom. Saints, holy ones, holy ones, made holy positionally in Christ in a moment, but becoming holy by the Spirit of God in your life more and more and more as you walk with him. The fruit of the Spirit, as you are drinking from the Spirit of Jesus, continuing to walk in obedience to him, Galatians 5 says that his Spirit is producing and manifesting the fruit. He is changing you. You don't change you. It's not self-help. He changes you. You relate to him. You obey him. You keep in step with him. You have a relationship with the Spirit of Jesus. Stay in touch with the Spirit of Jesus. Spirit of Jesus does all of that for you. He'll take you where you need to go. All right, so saints, holy, family, members of God's household. You have a new father. You have a father in a household, and the household he's talking about is the local church. This is what he's talking about here. Dwelling place for God, possessing the spirit and presence of Jesus in us. Not only, it, it, see, the way that God dwelled in the, in the temple, he dwells in us. We are that temple. We're the bricks. <laughs> That's what Paul talks about here. Um, you are not who you were. You've been transferred. Some of you are going to watch Tom Brady today, right? What a stud. Right? He's the goat. You got it. You got it. I'm, I'm a Breeze fan, but yeah, okay. He, he's pretty amazing. All right. Transferred from where? New England to Tampa to Tampa, right? He gets a new boss. He, he gets a new team. And he gets a new playbook, right? He's transferred. Well, every Christian has been transferred, and you have been transferred. Um, Colossians 1, 13 to 14 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. There's the saving. Transferred us from the king, uh, uh, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You have been transferred into a new kingdom, and that and Paul means that we have a new master. Our new master is the Lord Jesus Himself by His Spirit. We have a new family, new citizenship, new family. He talks about the household of God. Um, there is not a context. Hear me clearly. There is not a context for a person being transferred to an individual walk with God only. There's not a context for that in the Bible. The Bible assumes you are transferred from a community to a community. Uh, you're, you're transferred from a, a community to a family. You're, that's the language used. It's not even talking about like an individual walk. Um, and, and, and I think that's really, really important. Let me, let me just say this. Give me, give me 200 seconds. Can you all do that? Just lock in would be 200 seconds. The rest of the sermon, just come in and out as you please, right? But this one right here, 200 seconds. Give it to me. Most people view church as the place that helps them in their private, personal walk with God. Like I go there when I need it. I go to receive. I need to hear. 
um, whatever you might do there, okay? Um, kind, of, kind of like a, a club membership, health club membership. You use it when you feel like you need it. Maybe a doctor. Um, I'm hurting, so I really need to go see the doctor. I don't just hang out with a doctor, right? No, I only go when I need the doctor, right? And you see the church kind of like that. Like it's, it's there for me to come and receive. Come and receive. Help me. Keep me moral. Uh, it's good for my kids. Um, it keeps me on the straight and narrow. Um, when I'm hurting, I really need it. Um, and if you view church that way, you don't know who you are. The problem is an identity thing. And us in America, with much like in America, we, we think about it in, in terms of those types of things because it's basically consumer capitalism, right? We, we think of church as this, I, I go there and I receive this. And I go there and I get this benefit. And I go there and I attend and I receive this sort of thing. Um, I, I saw a survey that said that asked this question, do you believe that you can be a very good Christian or a very good Jew without attending a church or a synagogue? 81% of Americans answered yes to that question. 81% of Americans. That means that they do not have a biblical perspective of what the church is. And the problem is, is, is it's an identity issue. <laughs> you don't know who you are. You, you think the church is that type of role in your life, and the church is far more than, far more than that. Now, we are a church, let me just clarify, you can become a Christian outside the church, okay? And, and you can be a non-Christian inside the church. No doubt about it. We, we believe that. Your, your position in salvation is not tied to your legal standing within the role of a church, okay? That, that's not what we, we are believing. That being said, it is impossible for a Christian to live for Christ to grow in Christ and view church family and their involvement in it as just assisting them in their personal walk only. Paul said three things about these implications. He says, you're a citizen of the kingdom. Christ is your king. Part of a family, God is your father. And then stones of a temple, God dwells in you and the community of faith together, all of us together. Students study together, right? I mean, think about these connections. Workers work together. Hobbyists hobby together in whatever they do, right? Well, those are real thin connections. And it's based on the thin connection of what that particular thing is that's connecting you, right? Listen to this very carefully. Families share everything, all aspects of their life together. The connection is total whole. Um, you remember being single, guys, gals? You're married? Kids? You remember what it was like to be single? You, you, you go where you want, do what you want, when you want. And there was a lot of freedom there, right? And then you get married, and then you start to go do what you want, and you go, wait, something tells me I need to probably talk to her <laughs> first, right? Some of you are not doing that, we need to talk. But why? Why? Why restrict yourself? Why, be why, why take on the constricting kind of nature of that? Because you have gladly entered into a relationship in family. Why restrict myself? Why keep my freedoms less? Because I'm in love and I'm, I'm in a love relationship. I'm in a family. And then, and then, and then, and then you have kids. And you can take all those hobbies and all your calendar and you can throw it in the garbage <laughs> and say goodbye. And why would you do that? 
Why would you throw it in the garbage and go, all right, it's gone. Why? Because I'm in family. That stuff's less important. Family. Throw everything. Go get golf, hunting, college football game with friends. No. We can't even go to dinner at a restaurant. I can't take my kids anywhere, right? Screaming and crying and everybody leaves the restaurant. Can't even go to the movies anymore. We're going to go home and we're going to grub up. That's what we're going to do. You make sacrifices, but they're not really sacrifices. Why? Family. It's family. And then you finally get all those kids out of the house and you want them all back. I miss them. Remember the good old days when we could go nowhere and do nothing? And no one was sleeping and we were all losing our minds. Remember the good old days? You know, what is the deal? Family. It's family. Did you know? You are transferred into a family. There's like no other option. It's not like dental care. Okay, now you're transferred into Jesus, a personal walk with Jesus. Would, would you like a church membership? Because church membership you know, may have some benefits. It might cost you a little bit, but may have some benefits along the way. You know, it's not like that. It's not an optional thing. You are transferred into a family. And if you don't know who you are, you don't know how to operate in a family. The Bible tells you very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. A Christian is a part of God's household. We're children. We're dependent on one another. There's, there's things you sacrifice in your life. Why? Because of this. Because of family. There's things that aren't, are less important to us because this is the most important thing. I mean, this is the idea of it. And, and I'm going I'm to tell you, I don't want me to step on toes or hurt feelings or any of that kind of stuff, but I feel like I need to address it because it's currently an issue with us. COVID has caused our view of the way we see church family we put, it has put tension on that, and now you can kind of see where you land on all of that. And I think it's putting pressure on the way we see ourselves and the family of God and the way we view it. And if you aren't ready for that kind of spiritual family, you aren't ready for Christianity. Because that's what Christianity is. God says there's not a other way. I don't have another option. I don't have like a personal only relationship with me that, that other people feed into. No, this is family. Family grows. Family does this. Think of a temple stones. Stones are tacked on, uh, stacked up on each other. And a stone uh, is resting on top of another stone that's there. And if that stone's not there, it falls to the ground. Right? But then, but then this stone, if it's not there, the one on top of it, it falls to the ground. See, this is how structures are built. Things are present. They're there. And, and things are relying on one another and it's dependent on one another. And this is the picture that Paul is giving us here. Family, being there for each other, being tied to each other, knowing that this has a lot of uh, responsibilities, it has a lot of uh, involvement, but it also has a lot of benefits. And honestly, you can't get the benefits without all of the other things being in a family. There's just, there's just no other way to do it. But then you get a new playbook, not just a new family. New ways of living. Jesus said, enter the narrow way. Enter the narrow way. And, and what he means by that is the world's going to look at you entering this narrow way and go, man, it's so constricting and it's starving all your freedoms. And it seems kind of enslaving in, in a lot of ways. But you and I know who have entered the narrow way that it leads to openness and freedom and, and great and peace. And it leads away from slavery. <laughs> it leads us to a lot of freedom in life in a lot of ways. That's our new playbook. We, together as a family, have a new way of doing things. 
things according to a new kingdom, a new playbook. We operate according to a different set of values and all sorts of things than to those who have it. You're into this family. We have a way of operating together. Um, a new master, a new playbook, a new family, a new nature. You have a new nature in you. You are no longer enslaved and held captive by that old master. You're not. You're free. And you can go back to that old master. I mean, Tom can go back to Belichick and go, all right, what play you want to run? That would not make any sense, right? We can. We have that ability to live carnal in our new identity. The point is, is we are not who we were. We are different. Augustine was very sexually promiscuous early on in life, lived it up, got saved, and actually ended up becoming a monk. And as a monk, he's walking in the marketplace. It's the story that was told of him. He's walking in the marketplace, and one of the ladies that he used to party with, you know, saw him and said, and came up to him and was beckoning to say, let's go party. Let's do a weekend together. And so she came up to him asking him, and he just kind of brushed her off, almost like ignoring her. And she was a little perplexed by it, not knowing what's going on here. And he just kept on walking. Well, she's thought, wait a minute, he doesn't recognize me. He doesn't know who I am. He thinks I'm some other lady. So she goes up to him and grabs him and says, Augustine, it is I. And it says, Augustine turned to her and says, yes, but it is not I. We're new. What in your old life is beckoning you back? And you need to say, I am crucified with Christ. He died, I died. He rose again, I rose again. I'm not the same person I was. I am new. I am I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How did you crucify the flesh with your passions and desires? He did it for me. I received the benefits. I died when he died. Not I. It's not I. You're not who you were. Well, what happened? What happened? Let me tell you you this one freeze. You didn't get your act together. You didn't earn it. God didn't go, hey, look, you know, look at Steve here. Steve, he's coming along pretty good. I think I'll save him. Nope. Steve is anti-me totally. Living for himself, hurting other people, in malice and malice and sexual morality, and he likes it. Christ came to you and preached peace to you. Isn't that a powerful phrase? All of us have that happen. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it means that Jesus came to you and preached peace to you. Could have been through a Sunday school teacher. Could have been through a parent, a grandparent. Could have been through someone on TV. Could have been through a commercial. Could have been something. Who knows? He came to you and he preached peace to you. Maybe he's preaching peace to some of you right now in your hearts. And you feel it. He'll corner you in, man. Yield to him. Yield to him. He's like, what's the math? I was feeling that very thing yesterday, and now I'm hearing it, and it's hitting me right on a target. What's the math on that? The math is God. Hear the Spirit of God to you today. Come to Christ. You are loved. He will save you. Follow his lead. Never look back. Do it today. I was listening to a pastor last week or a couple weeks ago, 
He said, we're doing a big evangelistic campaign in their church, and they're like trying to get people to share, their, share the gospel with people. You know, you know how that works. Every once in a while, we're going to just totally ruin, you're going to just ruin your day. We're going to tell you to share the gospel with people, and all y'all are afraid to do it. Here we go. Well, this one guy, he's in this campaign that's on his mind, and he's going to the mall, right? And he's at the mall, and he walks in the door, and he's walking down. There's a bench on the wall, and there's just a regular old guy, you know, sitting on the bench. And he said, something in me just said, go tell that guy God loves him. And he's like, heck no, I ain't doing that. I'm not going to be that guy. It's so weird, isn't it? You got people who are weird. They do the weird stuff. And, man, I don't know. That's just not me. And I'm, he's like, he said I had a, just a, a, a little thought, and it went away, and he just kept on walking. And he went to the store. You know, you go through malls, and you walk through the mall, and you get to the store. He shopped around for something. I think he couldn't find it there or whatever. Um, but he left that store, and he was heading to another part of the mall for something else. And on a different part of the mall, another bench, same guy. Same guy. And he said, oh, man. Okay, that is odd. What are the, what's the math here? What, what are the odds that I would run across the same guy sitting on a different bench in a different part of the mall, and I had that same thing come up again? And so he said, that's kind of weird, but no, I'm not going to be that guy. And he kept going to the other side of the mall. Purchases something, finishes He's heading to his car, and he's going a whole nother path to his car. There's a bench. Guess who? It's that guy. And he's like, all right. All right, I see it. All right, I'll tell him. How am I going to do this? How is it going to be weird? He starts wrestles it up, gets, the, gets up the courage, and he walks over there, and he goes, okay, I, this is going to sound really weird, but I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you. That God loves you. There you go. And he says, you're not going to believe this, <laughs> but I'm telling you I was going to end my life this morning. And I'm prepared to end my life. I just have too much in life. I've had too much. I'm tired of living. But I sent out the Hail Mary. <laughs> and he said, I prayed this morning. I said, you know what? I'll give it one last shot. God, if you're there, if you're real, I want to know that you love me. And I'm, I'm going to listen. And he came to the mall to listen. And you just told me God loved me. Then he said, you're the third person today to tell me those very words, God loves me. Let me tell you, it is no accident that Jesus preached peace to you. He knows who you are. Jesus preached peace to you. Do the math on it. Is this really God? Submit to him. Follow him. He loves you. He knows you better than you do. He did everything on the cross and the resurrection and the ascension, everything you need to be with him. There's nothing more. Just in your heart. Follow him. Say yes to him. And start saying yes and say yes for the rest of your life. That's what this is all about. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we commit this time to you, this response time. And Lord, as we sing this song, I pray that prayers would go up, not just songs. King Jesus, you save darkened sinners deep in the pit of our depravity. And oh Lord, I pray you give us a little glimpse of who we were, not for the purpose of beating us with it, but the purpose of your praise, what you saved us from, that we might see you more clearly.
and feel the power and the, of the love that you have for us and what you did for us more fully. Speak to our hearts right now. Take this time of response. And Lord, if there's a person that you are specifically preaching peace to right now in their lives, Lord, shine your Holy Spirit light into their hearts full. Let them see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Let them feel the love of God. Let them feel the joy of your kingdom. And, oh, Lord, draw them in. I pray that today they would take that step and they would start saying yes to you. Do that great work among us. Do that great work today, today, this afternoon at Block Party. In a conversation, maybe. In a handshake. In a smile. Use us for your glory. It's all for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Stand with me all across the room. Let's sing together and maybe offer those prayers together.